You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 4. We have been talking for some time now about understanding and entering God's rest in His kingdom. This is such a massive subject. It started right in the Garden of Eden. And we see in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says there's a promise remaining of entering His rest. Everybody say His rest. So once again, just we, we talk about rest. We're not talking about resting because you're tired. We're not talking about coming to a rest because you're stopping. Uh, there's, there's different types of rest. Uh, we're not talking about rest because, you know, there's nothing else to do. No, this is a rest that God has ordained for us to be able to enter into. And we need to understand what that means. Because everything that I've just described are, are natural things our mind thinks about. But what are the things that are important to us when it comes to the kingdom of God? There must be a reason for God ordaining rest because it says there's a promise for it. And His promises are yes and amen. And that means whatever He wants in our lives is because He wants it for our betterment. All of God's promises are there to increase and grow us and develop us to become who He's called us to be. And so he says, yeah, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. This is something that we need to be aware of, that uh, there is a possibility of being short of the rest, which is the majority of uh, people if they don't understand this revelation. And he's talking about it from the perspective of them going through the wilderness. He says, indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. The children of Israel that walked through the wilderness after being delivered out of Egypt, out of bondage, they're heading to the promised land of God. And in between that, God's establishing this concept of rest. And so you and I have been born again, saved out of the world system of destruction, of bondage and death. We've been delivered into the kingdom of God. And he says, now don't miss this the way they missed it in the wilderness. This is an aspect that's key. It's important to be able to walk in that promised land in its entirety. And he says, yeah. Uh, the word which they heard did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Everybody say faith. faith. Say it again. Faith. That's a key. For he who is believed do enter this rest. Verse 5, he spoke of a certain place of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works down to verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now, he who has entered God's rest has himself, say that's me, also ceased from your works as God did from his. Now, that seems to look like we've got nothing more to do. No, we do, because he says, therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Another translation says, labor to enter that rest. So, the work we're talking about is the work, that's what we're finding out from the Word of God, those things that we try to do in our own strength and ability because we don't trust God. And he says, if we trust God, we'll stop with the flesh work, but we'll labor to enter into a place where we rest, knowing there's still things to do, but we do it by His grace, Amen. by His empowerment. Amen. And so having a look at that, we, we looked in the garden where God had already blessed uh, Adam, and then, of course, once he had finished creation, he rested. 
And as I said, God didn't rest because he's tired. He never sleeps nor slumbers. He was done with the work and he handed it over to Adam. And then, of course, Adam uh, had sinned and the world system was, the, the whole earth was thrown into the world system of the curse. And God endeavored to deliver us. And he gives a promise of deliverance. And then he introduces himself to a man called Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, and you keep reading through the count, the count of Abraham, God keeps saying similar things, that I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. And through you, all nations will be blessed. And it's a key to understand when he says, I'll make you a great nation. He didn't say, I'll make you a great religion. You notice how a lot of religion, when I'm talking about religion, I'm talking about false religions that the enemy is created to get people distracted from God, a lot of the false religions are based in works. A lot of it is, is do this, do that, do, you've got to keep working, keep on, you've got to come. Remember this time, that time, now, going to do, you know, it, it's all flesh work based. Why? Because it's pulling you from that rest. God didn't say, I'm going to make you a religion. Christianity is not an alternative religion. It's not one of the religions. And which, which religion do you belong to? I don't belong to a religion. I am born a citizen of the kingdom of God. I am a king, son of the king. So are you. Say amen. So he said, I'll make you a great nation. Now, even in Christianity, there are when the enemy will he'll either try and get you distracted from God in any way they can either deny God through outright atheism, or if you want to serve something, okay, serve this piece of wood, something to distract you. But if someone says, no, I want to serve the living God whose son is Jesus, that's fine. Then I can get you involved in work there as well. And so you find that there's a lot of Christianity which is still work-based. And so you're still in rituals, you still got to do certain things and be in certain places and go through these things, but there's no relationship there. And that can also be used to distract us from the importance of us still gathering. So even though we are a great nation, we don't throw out what God has called us to do. We want to become who God's called us to do. So you still have the gathering of the saints. There's a coming together that's important. From the Word of God. There's a time to sit at the feet of our teachers. God gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip us for the work of our ministry. And so there's an impartation that takes place. There's a discipleship that takes place. There's a relationship. There's, there's that, that interaction. That's a vital important thing. It's not just serving God quietly on our own at home. It's not just you know, sitting in our, in our rooms watching on television, watching on our screens. This is great. If you're traveling, you're away, or you're somewhere that's not near to a building, you're part of this. That's why we have the online community. But it should never replace. If I'm able to get to a place where I can meet, I want to be there. Say amen. And so he said he's going to make us Abram a great nation. And he said, I'm going to multiply and increase you. And in our study, we found out that by the age of 75 is that he still hadn't had any. Well, the promise was given at 75, but by the age of 80, 82, he hadn't yet had any children. So then Sarah gave his, her servant Hagar to him, and, and he went out and had uh, a, a son, Ishmael. But that was a work of the flesh. 
And so he said, no, God steps in and in the age of 99, God addresses him because he still hasn't had his own child. So 75 to 99, that's 24 years. And he then gives him this promise. And we see here in Genesis chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old. Now notice A-B-R-A-M, that means father. When father was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Still 99. And no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. That slight change in spelling in the Hebrew took his name from being just father to a father of a multitude. Father of a multitude. Within a year, when Abraham's 100 years old, Isaac is born. What happened? Because, I mean, you think about it, it takes nine months for a baby to be born after conception. So from 99 to 100, take off nine months, there's three months in there. Uh, you know that you know, from the time he spoke and changed his name from Abram to Abram, within three months, Sarah was pregnant. Something happened. Just changed his name, and then Sarah fell pregnant. What happened here? Well, notice when we saw there, when it comes to the entering a rest, is it has to be mixed with faith. So what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many of you got things that you want to see happen in your life? You've got dreams, something that needs to take place. What do we say? There's something that we're hoping for. And sometimes you talk to people and say, you know, God's got this. He'll look after you. And you hear them say, I hope so. That's an empty type of hope. Hope talks about an expectation of the future. But that expectation of the future is really empty if all we do walk around and say, I've got all these hopes and all these dreams. No, God wants to take you further from a place of just hoping, but get to a place of substance. Substance. And so Abraham had a hope. God had spoken to him, said, you'll be the father of many nations. Well, I hope so. No, we need to take that hope and bring it into a place of tangibility. And so faith is what gives that hope substance. It's what gives it tangibility. Now, substance speaks of something that exists. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have to touch it. Like this pulpit, yeah, I don't need faith for this. I can see it. I can feel it, yeah. It, it makes sound when I hit it. It's, you know... I, it's very, it's solid, it's yeah. So I don't need to hope for a pulpit. So if I don't need hope for it, I don't need faith for it either. And yet when he talks about something that we don't see, it's the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But if you don't see it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It does exist. It really does. Now in the natural realm, you can think of it. I mean, uh, how many of you have, have not yet been to, let's say, for example, Paris, uh, but you know there's an Eiffel Tower there. Can I see anybody? How many believe there's an Eiffel Tower in Paris? 
Okay. Has anyone been there? Has anyone seen it? Can I see your hands? Okay, so we got some proof that there is there. But the rest of you just believe people. You believe people, you believe photos, you believe movies. Isn't that right? But you've never seen it. But it exists. You haven't actually seen the, the actual, but you've seen recordings of it. So the same way in the realm of the Spirit, God is God. He exists. And the fact that He exists, everything that you need, want, or desire, everything He's created you for, or to have, or to enjoy, already exists. But just on the other side of the actual physical world. So like the Eiffel Tower, you can get in an airplane, fly there, and it's, still, it's physically there right now. It doesn't show up because you get there. Now, you know, it's, it's like it's not there now, but when you come, it shows up because it has to be there for you now. No, it's, someone's actually, it's there right now. Are you with me? So the same way in the kingdom of God, what already exists is yours. Your healing is yours. Your provision is yours. Everything God promises you exists. He can't promise it to you unless it already exists. It's not like he says, I'm telling you you can have it. I'm still busy making it. No, it already exists. Come on, how are you believing God for a, a house? It exists. It's on this planet. It could be a house already built. Someone's living in your house. You just may not know the address, but it's, yeah, it's there. It's out there. Isn't that right? If, if you're still believing to build a house, maybe the land you're going to build on is here. God's not going to make more land. The land's there. Even your house is here. It's just spread out all over the world. The tiles are in Italy and the steel's in, you know, it, everything. It, it's, it's, your, it, it's spread out. But how are you going to get that house into one place? See, faith is the substance. What already exists, you see it. And you believe it, and faith is what will bring it together into your life. If you can see that, it'll take you to a new level of faith. This is no longer begging God. I don't know why God hasn't. How come He hasn't? When's He going to? When's He going to? No, it is yours. That's the substance. Now look at verse 6. Without faith, it is? It is? Kind of difficult. God would prefer it if you use faith. No, without faith it is. That means if there's no faith involved, there's no pleasing God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe, number one, that he is. Number two, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Tell me, renew your mind right now if you haven't done it yet. God wants you to have things. Sometimes we're nervous around that. No, Jesus said that the whole world wants stuff. But focus on Him. Seek first the kingdom of God. God knows you need these things. God, how many you know God knows you need a house to live in? He wants you to have clothes to wear. He wants you decent. Isn't that right? He wants you eating, drinking. He wants you living well. And so he has promised you that he will give you that. But without faith, we won't see it. But I do know God wants me to have it. So I don't need to apologize for that. God wants you believing he's a rewarder. God is pleased when someone says, I believe you're a rewarder. 
I know you want me to have this. And so if he wants me to have it, then the only that, that path that's left is me to walk in this concept of faith. And that's what I want to see. How did Abram do this? Because remember Jesus, when we read it last time, when he was going to Bethany, uh, from Bethany to Jerusalem, he saw that fig tree and it didn't have any figs on it. And he said, no one eat fruit from you ever again. You remember what he said in Mark chapter 11, verse, come down to verse 22. So Peter was amazed. He says, look, the fig tree you spoke to has withered away. You spoke. And the fig tree listened. And Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Assuredly, I say to you, ever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes that those things he says, he will have whatever he, he will have whatever he, now who said that? That was Jesus. That's not some new age guru. This is not some weird religious figure that came up with it. No, this is Jesus, your savior. Say this, Jesus told me. I have what I say. Did he say that? Now you're getting a key here because Abraham changed his name to Abraham. God changed his name to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. So what was happening? For anyone else to know that his name's now Abraham, he would have had to go and tell them. I've just had an encounter with God and I want you to know from now on my name is. And in the Hebrew he said father of many nations. I am a father of many nations. And then, you know, maybe his, his friend or his wife or they went and told somebody else. They came out. I heard that you now father of many nations. Yes, I am. Amen. You hear what's happening. There's a speaking happening. There's a confession happening. Now, the Bible tells us if we're going to have faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same Spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. This is not the Holy Spirit. It's not your human spirit. This, when we talk about spirit, yeah, it's an attitude. This is a, a way of living. It's like you have a team spirit. You know what we mean by team spirit. Uh, that, that team spirit is that prevailing attitude, the morale of a group of people. And that spirit, that team spirit of faith is this. According to what is written, I believe Therefore, I spoke. We also believe, therefore, speak. Speak what? What you believe. Not I believe and I spoke something else. No, I believe that's what I spoke. In other words, someone says, but I do believe. Well, I don't hear it. I want to hear it coming out your mouth. What you believe. I will know what you believe. And I never have to wonder what you believe. I just listen long enough. Someone can tell me they go to church. Someone can tell me they love Jesus. But what you really believe is going to come out in your conversation. The things that we keep saying. Because we say what we believe. I know we want to believe certain things. I know we want to agree with what the Bible says. But it has to reflect in our communication. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 6. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. So faith does speak. But there's a way to speak. How does it speak? Do not. So it starts with, this is how you don't do it. Do not say in your heart, 
Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What's that talking about? That's somebody who wants to see tangible proof. Uh, if, if Jesus, if you can just show me yourself, you've appeared to Paul. If you appeared to me, I would also believe. No, it's not based on seeing. He says, faith doesn't ask for tangible. Lord, if you just have 10 camels walk through that door now, I will know you want me to go preach the gospel. No, it's not looking for signs of, of confirmation. Belief says God said it, and so I believe it. That, that, just, that's, that settles it. So faith doesn't ask for tangible proof before it believes. What does it say? Look at verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. I've heard people say before, but God knows my heart. Yes, he does. But say it. Speak it. He says here, the word is in your mouth and in your heart. What is that? The word of faith which we preach. The word of faith. Family of God, if anybody's ever got on your case about being word of faith, just point them to Paul. You just ask them, do you believe the Bible? Yes. So you believe Corinthians as well? Yes. Romans? Yes. Ephesians? All of it? Right. Yes, Paul. He said he preaches the word of faith. See, word of faith is not a religion. It's not a movement. It's not that camp, that group of people. The word of faith. Faith is the word of God. It's the substance. And then by speaking it becomes your word. So what word are you speaking? Words of doubt? Words of fear? Words of, 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 of uh, death? Or are you going to speak words of faith? Which one are you going to speak? Well, that would make me word of faith. Are you word of faith? For sure. I'm not speaking word of death. Word of fear. Everybody say word of faith. So he says, this is what we preach. Now, what is it? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, just believing doesn't get a person saved. He says you need to also confess it. Why? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. By believing, you remain righteous. But with the mouth, confession activates it. Confession is made to salvation. So you believe with your heart, that settles it. I believe God is, and He is a reward of those who diligently seek Him. I believe that. All right? Then say it. Because when you say it, you're activating it. That's when it manifests in your life. That's what brings it into tangible existence. Remember, come down to verse 17. Faith comes by... Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. Remember Jesus said, have faith in God. Another translation puts it, have the faith of God. So God, His Word exists because He is the author of faith. And so whenever He speaks His Word, you receive faith. Some people say, I wish I had more faith. All right? Uh, if I threw a bucket of water on you, then how wet are you? You're wet. You can say, I wish I was more wet. 
I'll put more water on you. Isn't that right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the... See, when people say, I wish I had more faith, they're looking for an inside feeling. It, it's, it's, I, I don't feel something. I always like to ask, well, what does that feel like? What is the moment you'll go, yes, there, now I've got enough faith. What, what does that feel like? There's no feeling to it. There's no feeling. It's the knowledge, God has said it, I've seen it, I've heard it, now I say it. Faith comes by hearing. So you have the faith. I really wish I could believe. Then say it. You just say it. Now I'm going to take you to a key here. This is going to transform your life if you haven't yet got this. Look at, uh, look at Romans chapter 4. Now, just to confirm, Genesis 21 verse 5, that's where Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born to him. So his faith worked. I said his faith worked. 75, you're going to be a father of nations. 99, no baby. 24 years. God says, change your name to Abraham. Within three months, Sarah's pregnant. A hundred year old, Isaac's born. What happened? Romans chapter 4 verse 13. For the promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Everybody say righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Now, what's he saying? God doesn't want you to receive the promises through obeying a bunch of rules. Because if you try to obey a bunch of rules, you're always going to mess up and never get to the promise. But God wants you to enjoy the promise despite your best attempts. <laughs> Are you with me? He's putting it in the law of grace, of faith. Everybody say grace. grace. Everybody say faith. Grace. Therefore it is of faith, verse 16, that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, he has the promise, I have made you a father of many nations. Listen to the terminology of God. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You will one day be. No, I've already made you that. You may not see it yet, but I've already made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom God believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, the wording there, if you do intense study there in the Greek, you'll find out that it comes across in the English that sometimes you don't always read it comfortably because of, there's a whole bunch of things thrown in there. But if you unpack it, what it's saying is, when he says, in the presence of him whom he believed, in other words, by being in the presence of God, God operates in a certain way, Abraham hears it and chooses to operate the same way. So in other words, just like God, that's what this is saying. So just like God... God, who calls things that do not exist as if though they do, Abraham did the same thing. 
So God says, I have made your father of many nations. What did he do? From that moment on, he went and told everybody he is the father of many nations. He's simply imitating God. Amen. Paul said, imitate God. Amen. Isn't that right? Imitate means do the same thing. Now, God calls things that do not exist as though they did. He has a vital key. Read it accurately. Because I still sometimes hear Christians saying, you know, like, for example, uh, they say, oh, man, I'm feeling sick. And I'm, ah. I say, well, praise God, by Jesus' stripes, you heal. Oh, yes, amen, I'm not sick. Uh, hang on. That's inaccurate in confession. Because it doesn't say here that he calls things that do exist as though they don't. You don't just say, I'm not sick. Because if you went to a doctor and they did their test, they would find stuff. So it's not denial. That's where some people misunderstand the concept of faith. It's not denying the thing exists. If, you're, if, you, if, if you owe, uh, it, not you, if a bunch of people owe a bunch of people money and they're in debt and everything's in zero and the lawyers are knocking on the door just to say, I ah, praise God, I'm not in debt. I'm not in debt. No, no. <laughs> if you don't pay it, they're going to lose the house. Isn't that right? No, it's a reality. That, that's in the name. But there's a higher law. God sent His Word to heal you. So even though I'm experiencing symptoms in my body, the truth is, by His stripes, I have been healed. Been healed. Been healed. Been healed. And if I've been healed, then I am healed. So God sees me as healed. So what am I going to do? Speak the way he speaks. So I call things that do not exist. In other words, I'm still waiting for the manifestation. But I speak as if though they already do exist. Why? Because they do. So that's what we're talking about. It's not trying to twist God's ear or get him to do something. Again, faith is not a way of making God do anything. No, faith is taking what God's already said and saying, I believe it. So now I line my speech up with what God is saying regardless of what I'm feeling in my body, regardless what I look at when I see my bank account. I'm not going to let that influence my confession. We need to still work to get that cleared. I need to get the finances in. I need to maybe go get a job. I need to get, you know, are you with me? We need to settle these accounts. We're not just going to let them fade into the distance. No, we're going to trust God, but I, what the point is, He's already supplied the need for that. So if He's already supplied the need for it, I'm going to line up my confession with what he has said. And so he calls things that do not exist as if though they already are. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now, get a hold of that. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So we're talking about two different hopes here. Because the one's in contrary to hope. Yet there is a hope he did believe in. Which hope is he believing in? The one which faith is the substance of. So there's a contrary to hope. That's the empty hope. A hope we have a child. But against that empty hope, he chose to believe the hope that faith gives substance to. If God said it, there's an expectation. That hope is not a hope so. No, that is, I fully expect to see it. There's an expectation in that hope. 
And that is the hope that he believed in. And then verse 19, he not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Listen, at 100 years old, you're going to have a baby? But it says that his body's dead. There's nothing happening. I don't care how much, you know, they, they try or whatever. It's like, game's over. That's where he was. Sarah's womb is dead. But God had spoken. There was no pharmacies with Viagra or anything in those days. Come on, there's not, you understand this? This man had nothing. He had no alternative remedies. But he heard a word. I said he heard a word. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. How do you believe God is able to do it? Then why are we doubting? One translation, uh, I think it's the Living Bible, it says, yeah, when it says he did not waver at the promise of God, it says, Abraham never doubted. When I first read that, I thought, what kind of man is this? I don't know about you, but things have come into my head. When I saw Abraham never, Abraham never doubted, what level of man is this? And I asked some men that were close to me discipling, and I said, have you ever doubted? Said, of course I have. Come on. You know, of course I have. Well, how did, what happened? Because what, yes, Abraham never doubted. Wow. So they didn't answer me on that one. So I thought, well, let me go find out from God. God, your Bible says, yeah, Abraham never doubted. Now, I'm, I'm going to believe your word. So something's happening here, because this is some kind of man. To never doubt. And God showed me. Doubt is not what happens in your head. It's what happens in your mouth. Abraham might have had thoughts. But he never let it come out of his mouth. You've got to get this. The enemy will challenge you. He will even get to a point, are you sure there is even a God? Where is God? He'll never leave you. Where is he now? Do you feel him? Where is he now? Have you checked your bank account? What's happening? You're about to lose your house. Look at your body. What's happening? And those thoughts will happen. But remember Jesus said when he spoke about that eating, drinking, wearing, he says, don't take any thought saying, what shall we eat? Don't take the thought. Don't take the thought. The thoughts will come, but don't take them. Because the thoughts aren't always you. It's the enemy trying to get you off the word. So the thoughts will come, but you say, I take that thought captive. I will not let it through these lips. And as long as you don't let it out your lips, you've never doubted. 
God's not looking at what's in your head. He's listening for what you say. And he only accounts righteousness to what you said. Having believed, I speak. So you can doubt, you can sit there, you can even get a thought. God doesn't exist. It can, not in your head now, I have to say it so you know what I'm thinking. Because you can't see what I'm thinking. Okay, so in my brain, God doesn't exist. But I haven't said it. Okay, You can get there and you think, oh God, I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. All you have to do is lift your hand and say, Father, I know that you are. I know that you are. I believe you are. I, you are my God. I'm your people. And you are a rewarder. I believe you are God. And everything in you is going, no, 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 no. And you go, I don't care what I'm feeling. I don't care what I... And the bank account and the, and the doctor and the, and the letter could be on your desk staring you like, God, I refuse. Refuse to say, and this is what I believe. You have provided, you have healed, you have set me free, you have given me, you have. That's all that comes out of your mouth. If it's not in the Bible, it's not in your vocabulary. Write that down. If it's not in the Bible, it's not in your vocabulary. Your vocabulary from this day on is the Word of God. Any question that comes up, what does the Bible say? That's the only thing that's coming off my lips. And he never doubted. He spoke. If God said it, I'm the father of many nations. Can you imagine how the town must have ridiculed this old man? A hundred. It's time to sit down, old man. I'm a father of many nations. Yeah, right. Nah, the man said it. God said it. He believed it. Amen. Amen. Family, I know what it's like. I'm not speaking, you know, I wish I had faith like Pastor Allen. I can tell you, I've stood and stared faith, uh, stared death in the face. Ready to make funeral arrangements and contact insurance companies. All those thoughts happen. You say, you know what? It is written. My wife will live and not die. Father, you gave us a promise and I'm praising God. I thank you. It is done. And I'm settling that here today. You silence every thought. Just every time anything, any little thought comes, just raise your hand. And start Father, you've said it. You've said it. You've said it. And it's not like, oh God, please, God, you said, God, please help me. God, please help me. Help me. No, that's not faith. If, if I'm crying, then I'm not yet convinced. Hello, it's entering a rest. God said it, so I don't have to panic about it anymore. And if I'm not yet in that rest, go back to the Word. Read it again. Read it again. I just made a decision. Every time any kind of doubt enters my heart, 
And I, I first begin, I praise God, praise God. But that's, if that devil won't let me alone, that's a man, book out. Go to the scriptures, look up the verse, and I'll point it out and say, God, you said. There it is. You are never wrong. So I settle it right here. If there's something I'm missing, teach me. Otherwise, I'm praising you. And sometimes God will. He'll adjust something in my life. What you're doing over here, what you're saying over here, that's inaccurate. Oh, yeah, I see that now. And so I'll correct that. And there the change happens. But I would never get there if I'm worrying, crying, panicking, falling over. You know, no. It's entering a total rest. Amen. Amen. So if I'm not yet at the rest, I need to be spending more time in the book. That's the key. What has God said? What has he said? Yes, but no, what has he said? That's what's on your lips. Amen. Does this help someone today? Come on, let's give Jesus praise for his word. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say this. Today I've heard the word of God. That word has brought faith to my heart. I believe it. And as a believer, I am not a doubter. I'm a hearer of God's word. And I am a doer. And my doing begins with my speaking. I only say what God has said. The word of God is my vocabulary. From this day forward, whatever happens, whatever I think, whatever attacks me, whatever shows up to try and distract me from God, I'm always going to go back to the book, back to his word. What does he say? And that and only that is what I will say. I believe, therefore I speak. I am of the household of faith. And that is the word that I speak, the word of faith. And I thank God he is the author of my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.